Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome to the show. You know, we were just talking in the previous hour about how we change our energetic field around generative energy, meaning generating things, creating things, creating things, you know, as opposed to looking at the world and looking out, you know, the disastrous, disastrous operationalization of what is harmful to us and the planet. So in the world we live in, don't be surprised when you hear the phrase abundant health. That's what today's show is about. And David Getoff joining me here today for this show. He is the author of this fabulous book, Abundant Health in a Toxic World. And what I love about this is the book is about abundant health, but it is chock full of information and knowledge, almost like a blueprint, a map, so to speak, to navigate from wherever you are, whatever your situation is, and to make change the choice of change and moving it beyond. And today we have three, thanks to, oh, just some fabulous people, David in particular, three books to give away. You know, for many of you, you know David, you know David Getoff as the detox professor. He's been helping patients and students for decades improve their lives. But, you know, he's like many of us, you know, as a full-time practitioner in San Diego, right? He is ongoingly studying. He goes to conferences. He's keeping up because you have to keep up. You know, we live in a world now that when we think about our lives, you must stay on top of what is out there and what's working. And, you know, when I think about him and the pathway that he took, you know, traditional uh, naturopath, whatever you want to talk about for that. The bottom line to all of this is that when you step out into the world to do no harm and truly understand that there are options for people, right, so that we can become educated into attaining an optimal health in this century. And I know some days it seems like it's impossible Every day you're hearing about something. But this book is a guide and his work and his passion and commitment. It's all about putting one foot in front of the other, taking one step at a time, knowing what to do differently, knowing what to stop doing. And most importantly, he's 24-7 educating people across the globe. But this latest book breaks it out. It just breaks it out. Everything from gluten to non-gluten to supplements to toxins, it is really the kind of conversation that we ought to be having on our family dining room table with our children, but also what drives us to make awesome 
decisions. David, it's great to have you. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. Absolute, absolute pleasure. And I find it interesting that um, if if everybody listening to us were to go in the next time they saw their 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 doctor or whatever health practitioner, it wouldn't have to be a doctor. I don't care. It could be their herbalist. Mm-hmm. And the question that they ask very simply is average, because it changes year to year, average, how many times a year do you drive or fly to attend a scientific conference in your field where nothing is paid for? You're paying the entry fee, you're paying the hotel, you're paying the airfare, but you want this information. How many times a year do you do that? The vast majority of them will tell you, uh, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> I'm yeah. busy sitting in my office, you know, seeing my clients and my patients. Um, and that's really sad because uh, I know it's expensive, but I will fly to anywhere between four and eight a year. You know, maybe one or two of them, they're flying me in because I'm one of the lecturers. But most doctors out there, they never go to a conference unless it's being comped for them. They're you know, having it totally paid for by the drug companies that are then going to push their drugs on them. That's not independent information. It's just very sad. It is very sad. And you really touched upon something really interesting because I was sharing with you before uh, the show that I was very fortunate when, you know, I did come down with the mystery disease to find Dr. Nusheen Darvish, who was like you, right, David, was the person that not only was willing to go out to pay for these trips herself, but every year, multiple times a year, even to the point of becoming certified as a naturopath, to becoming certified in oncology, to become one of the most uh, pivotal uh, ambassadors, I think, at one point to China on Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease. But that doesn't happen by sitting in your office. Nope. Absolutely doesn't. It, it, it happens basically by not believing anything somebody tells you until you investigate it further, further, you know, thoroughly enough that you feel now I can believe it. Because people say things that they heard, and you say, oh, well, uh, how'd you learn that? Well, I didn't learn it. I heard it. Well, uh, what'd you do to investigate it to make sure that it was legit and that it wasn't just somebody else who heard it from somebody else? Oh, well, I, I trust the person that said it. Not good enough. <laughs> just not good I enough. Know. There's too much crap out there. Yeah. And let's start with the crap, if you don't mind. I want to start with, because your book is Abundant Health in a Toxic World. And I I think we have got to set the stage and talk about the world that you're referencing. Because this, to me, is the most critical aspect of starting the conversation, is if you don't know, if you don't know everything from your drinking water to your cell phone, if you don't know the degree by which you're exposed to toxicity, then you're not really going to get much of a motivation to do something different. So I want to ask you, can you briefly, if possible, describe this toxic world? Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, (laughs) briefly is a funny word, but sure, let's go ahead. Yeah, it's funny. Sure. So um, when I say number one and number two, that doesn't mean that they're more important. It's just, you know, uh, we got to pick something. So let's let's say number one, uh, you're drinking water. Uh, or your bathing water, because some people are buying bottled water, which may or may not be any better than their drinking water. Uh, but they're buying bottled water, and then they're showering in the tap water. And, you know, we now know that you're probably absorbing more chlorine and chloramines. Uh, fluoride doesn't get absorbed quite as well through the skin. But you're absorbing more of those through the shower that you took today than through all of the drinking water that you spent a lot of money replacing with bottled water. So, number one, if you're not filtering your shower water with something that pulls out both chlorine and chloramines, 
you're exposing yourself to some massive neurological disease-causing uh, immune-suppressing chemicals. Now we've got all of the stuff in our air that's coming out of factories and the exhaust from your car and all these various different things, and it's just all over the place. All right, what might be next? How about the stuff that you buy for your house? So you've got uh, hand soaps and body soaps. You've got shampoos. You've got cream rinses, conditioners. All of those have chemicals in them that, unless you're really, really careful, are on the list for further study for causing neurological diseases, methylparaben, propylparaben, sodium lauryl sulfate, polyethylene glycol, uh, which is basically antifreeze, and yet it's in your, in your shampoo. It's in your toothpaste. Uh, there's fluoride in your toothpaste. And now we've got all the cleansers in the house. I mean, those are things that you're putting on you and in you, your toothpaste, your shampoo, your soap. But how about the cleansers? How about the fact that what you're cleaning your bathroom with because you're so afraid of all those bacteria, which really aren't bad for you. The exposure helps build your immune system, but you're so afraid of them that you're using something with ammonia or you're using something with chlorine in it. And then, of course, you're using Clorox when you're you know, cleaning your clothing. All of these different things are poisons, and that hasn't even gotten yet to all of the things that you don't have control over, like you're not using any pesticides because you know they're bad for you. You know, you're just killing the ants, uh, you know, with, uh, with your finger or whatever. But all of your neighbors are spraying Roundup on all of their lawns to kill all of their weeds. And Roundup is very, very, I mean, it just stays there. It's there for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And every time the sun hits it, it wafts into the air and you're breathing it. And uh, Professor Gile Cirillini, who's the world expert in Roundup, he just presented at the Environmental Health Symposium two weeks ago that I attended. And we found out, believe it or not, that the inert ingredients, you know, you take a look at a container and it says uh, Roundup contains 20% or 30% glyphosate, and then inert ingredients is the additional 50 or 60 or 70%. And you assume inert ingredients, okay, inert. What does that mean? It means something that has no effect whatsoever. They just needed a mixing agent. Nope. He found out that the inert ingredients include arsenic and other chemicals which are more poisonous than what they're calling the active ingredient, and that the glyphosate itself didn't even kill herbs when they sprayed it on stuff. It's the other stuff that they're hiding. They don't have to talk about it. There's so much stuff out there that, number one, you have to know about it, and number two, you have to be willing to see how much you can avoid. And then, of course, I teach people how to slowly get the stuff out of your body. Yeah, and that really is really why I ask you the question, because there is a way to get it out of your body. Uh, and there is a way to get it out of your family's body. Um, and that's really the point that I wanted to start with um, in the book. I want to get to something you say right out of the gate. Um, what is wrong with how you feel all the time? I love that question, right? And yeah. it's a statement and a question. It's both. What is wrong with how you feel all the time? When somebody says to you, it's normal for you to feel fatigued all the time because of your schedule, you have to ask yourself, what? Really? Um, why are we so willing to accept feeling bad? Because so many people around us are also feeling bad. And because so many doctors are also feeling bad. And they're going, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're in an environment and we, we, we work all the time, and we don't get enough sleep, and, and so it's expected that you should feel bad. No, it's not. I mean, I, I don't, I've never 
actually recorded how many hours a week I work in an average week. It's probably between 70 and 90. Uh, yeah. I've got boundless energy. I have no problem all day doing everything I want to do. Uh, I have no problem going to sleep and getting my eight and a half hours because that's what's been shown to be most helpful for most people. Some people can do well with seven and a half. It's about seven and a half to nine. Um, but we, we are supposed to feel good. And when people go, well, well, but look at what we do today. I mean, go back a thousand years. They didn't have all these things to do. Are you kidding? Go back 10,000 years or 50,000 years. Go back in our history. They had no stores. They didn't have agriculture yet. They didn't even know you could plant something and make it grow. They weren't tending a bunch of, of sheep or cattle. They had to go out and find wild animals and wild birds or they couldn't eat. You think that's not stressful? They were working harder than we are. Yeah. And they felt better than we do. So people have to understand that we really are supposed to be able to set our lives up and things we do and what we buy and what we use in our house, etc., so that you can feel fantastic, even if you go, geez, am I going to be able to make the mortgage this month? Uh, do I have enough money to do this? Are we taking a vacation this year? Okay, fine. Everybody's finances are different. That doesn't mean you don't have to feel good. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that we can't provide, as we will throughout the show today, with ways to begin the process. And let me jump over uh, to the next question. And, and honestly, this is, I think, I believe that the word is self-explanatory. Yet, at the same time, when I engage in conversations with people, there is such a range of what people think the word detox means. You know, if you mention detox, right away there is this Okay, what are you going to want me to do? You're going to lock me in a room and have me sweat to death for seven days? Uh, I say, no, I'll take you out in the desert on a vision quest. We'll do it that way. Um, but let's talk about detox and, and really from your perspective, what it means and where it could begin. Not always. This is not a one-size-fits-all. All right. Well, basically, detox simply means that we are removing some of the poisons in your body so that there will be less there. And of course, in some environments, they may be coming in so fast because of what you do for a living, like maybe you're a painter or you're working in a boatyard putting fiberglass on new boats, so maybe it's coming in almost as fast as going out. Yeah. But detox is some way to take poisonous substances that are currently locked in various different cellular portions of your body and get them the heck out of your body. And the, the single most important thing which for some reason, and I haven't been able to figure this out because I've been teaching this now for 25-plus years, I never hear anybody saying, no matter what their expertise is, I don't care if they're a homeopath, a naturopath, an herbalist, you know, whatever it might be, a medical doctor, an osteopath, a chiropractor, I never hear this. If it's not coming out of my mouth, which is sad, it should be coming out of everybody's. And that is, how do we remove poisons from our body? Is there a particular way? Do they just sort of waft out? No. They can come out and sweat. They can come out in breath, but the vast majority of them are processed through your kidneys, unless you donated one, you only have one, in which case it would be kidney, uh, and your liver. And so we are overusing these organs because of the number of poisons that are in us that were, didn't exist a couple hundred years ago. We are pushing these organs, and nobody says, before we do anything else, we have to start working on supporting your liver function and your kidney function so that they will be able to handle what we're going to be doing as we move things through them. So that's always number one in my eyes. Wow. You know, one of the things I was struck by, too, let me piggyback off that for a minute if I could, was 
as I read your book and I went back again and looked at it again last night, as I was looking at it is not only do we not fully understand that we're living in this toxic world, but we can't, we literally go out of our way to create a toxic world to live in. And let me tell you, and not know it. So for example, anybody that's ever built a home or bought a new home, very few people, except if you're like me, I was born in New York, right? Like you. Me too. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I, I, early on, we knew about lead paint. Like I grew up in the project. So everybody knew about lead paint. Yep. yep. But now we're not even stopping to think about the fact that the lotion we put on our body, the cleaners we use on our cabinets, right? The, the facial stuff we put on. The, the conditioner we put in our hair. Let's just talk about everyday wash the dish detergent without mentioning any names. Uh, the carpets we put down, the cleaning we use for the floor. I mean, all of the general purpose cleaners, any kind of repellent you think about, paint, lacquer, uh, all of the above. We don't really think about what we're creating and we, and then what we do with it is we make sure it's sealed tight as can be, and then we live in it. Yep. A lot. Very, very, very true. You know, n nobody, nobody in general thinks about what they're doing. They just do what they were taught to do by their parents, who were taught by their parents. I mean, if if uh, if your grandparents, if their their two favorite substances in the whole world to clean the house were a bottle of ammonia and a bottle of Clorox bleach, then that got passed down to their kids and their kids, and now you're their kids' kids' kids. And nobody's thinking about the fact that, wait a minute, these are two very well-studied chemicals. We know that they're nerve poisons, they're immune destroyers. I mean, they're horrible substances. They kill your lungs. They're increasing your risk of all sorts of different breathing diseases, COPD. Oh, but I never, but I never smoked. How come I have this condition? Yeah, but right. you're using ammonia and chlorine in your house. So, yeah, people don't think. I agree with you. I got to tell you, I'm from an Italian family, so I got to tell you, it's uh, vinegar. 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 Big. Okay. Big. Vinegar is big. Vinegar was big in the Italian family. That's better than almost anything else they could be using. That's one of the healthier cleansers. Well, but because I don't think, you know, if you're talking about the roots of some of the families, like my family, their roots, first of all, they didn't have a lot of money. And so... You know, it was very easy for my family to get olive oil, vinegar, and garlic at the drop of a hat, right? Sure. Uh, and I, I even think the vinegar was imported, but I think because my uncle did some strange things with grapes down in the basement, not saying uh -huh. what that is, <laughs> uh, just not going to go there. I'm just saying we had so many natural things. And even my grandpa, when in the Bronx, believe it or not, what I remember about my grandpa was these amazing herbal gardens. Everything was fresh. I got to ask you this. I got to ask you this question. Sure. What is your greatest passion? Yours personally. I know what mine is. It's doing a show like this. But what is your greatest passion? To My at least move the needle. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to say. We got to move the needle on the spectrum to at least say, try this. What would be your number one, if you had to pick one, I know I'm putting you on the spot, David, <laughs> but if you had to pick like one and you're talking to me, just say, hey, everybody, try doing this or try stop to stop doing this. What would it be? 
Well, it would be an interesting number one because yeah. for for years and years and years, people have been telling me that you know you've helped me so much. My my health is better. My family's health is better. But every time I mention some of the things that I've learned from you to my friends or other family members, uh, they either say that sounds like nonsense. Or they go, well, let me check with my doctor. They check with the doctor, and the doctor says it's nonsense. And they said, help us to be able to educate people so that they don't think the things that we know are good because they've helped us so much, that they don't think they're crazy. And so I put a special part on my website when I redid the website entitled In Search of Unknown Facts. Yeah, I saw that. And that, to me, is the most important, even though it's many. It's searching out things that everybody knows, but they're wrong. And you could download that PDF. And so let's take a minute to just let folks know. For those of you out there, we're going to give away a copy of the book right now. So let me start there. 1-800-930-2819. Copy of Abundant Health in a Toxic World. David Getoff's book right now. 1-800-930-2819. If you go to David's website, and it's naturopath for the number for you. Is that the best way to get there, David? No, that's that's too difficult. I just okay. I bought davidgetoff.com to make it easier. So if somebody just puts in David, which thankfully everybody knows how to spell, and then get off, and if they don't let their mind say, well, it can't just be G-E-T-O-F-F. That wouldn't be a name, <laughs> would it? And then they screw it up. But it is. It's just G-E-T-O-F-F. So davidgetoff.com, it will redirect you to the website. And so that and so let's go ahead and do that now and I just want to tell everybody when you go to the website and you'll see that you could you'll be able to listen but you can download the PDF and I would encourage you to do that because David just lays it out right just yep, boom want- boom boom lays it out right so I got I want ask everything you this laid out and I and I and I get to mm-hmm. websites and there's something there and I try to copy it and it won't let me you know, no, this is, this is you know, uh, yeah. protected. I go, no, no, no. If there's something I've got on my website, it's to educate. If it's to educate, I want you to print it out. So it's up there as a PDF or it's up there as a video. I want people to send other people there. And if they want to actually print it out, it's yours to print out. Um. Uh, one of the things I want to jump to, and then after the break, we'll come back and we'll talk about food. I want to talk about EMFs. Uh, but, but for those of you, let's just call it electromagnetic frequencies for a minute. Electromagnetic is a great word. I think many of us understand electromagnetic. Uh, these come in various forms. And I want to start with this conversation because I spend a lot of my time around electronic um, machinery, devices, equipment, sure. devices. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what to do about that, uh, albeit... I don't believe that I can neutralize all of it. But now we are living in a world, smart meters, everybody's got Wi-Fi, uh, smartphones are 24-7 attached to people. This is not going to go away. What's nope. the effect? Yeah, it's not going to go away. And the effects, and what's, what's interesting, of course, is that any time the effects of something are really bad, uh, in the industry that's producing the devices that have those effects or the substances, in the case of drugs, that have those effects is a multibillion-dollar industry, the research gets suppressed in this country. So there's a lot of research on how the effects of all of these electric fields are causing cancer, uh, are disrupting the brain and causing all sorts of types of dementia, 
uh, are causing infertility uh, quite greatly, especially, uh, you know, people are carrying their cell phones. I call them their stupid phones, but their smartphones. They're carrying them uh, either on their waist or in their pocket or in their bra. These are all parts of our endocrine system. And if you've got it in your pocket, if you're a man, it's greatly, and this has been proven, decreasing the viability uh, and and uh, and strength of your of your sperm count. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people can't get pregnant, and they don't realize their cell phone is one of the reasons. There could be many reasons, but that's one of them. Another one is their Wi-Fi, which is bathing them every place in their house, even when the cell phone is ten feet away from them. So yeah, they're 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 a big problem. And when you said everybody has Wi-Fi. Almost everybody has Wi-Fi. Some Almost of us, everybody. Right. Some of us have learned so much how bad it is that my office in my house, there's no Wi-Fi. I had an electrician come in and hardwire everything through the walls. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't use a tablet because those are wireless. I've got a laptop and a mainframe. And everything in this house is wired. I don't have any cordless phones. I had them put in a phone in every single room. And I do that old thing that we used to do like years ago. If I have to go stir my stew that I'm cooking in the kitchen, I say, hold on a second. I press the hold button on my phone, hang up the receiver, walk into the kitchen, pick up the other one, press the button, and somebody will say, uh, did you just switch phones? I go, yeah, I had, to, I had to stir my stew. Well, why don't you just get a cordless phone? I go, that's a 15-minute instructional conversation. If you want it, I'll let you know. Because <laughs> they're hurting it's you. A- yeah, exactly. And, and you know, th- this has really been important for us, too, because we're hardwired in our studio. We don't Excellent. do the Wi-Fi thing. Um, but yet we've been unable to prevent anybody else in the office building from doing that. It's just uh, you're unable to prevent it yep. almost to the point now where I was out the other day and I'm not going to mention a name, but I was out in let's just call it a major department store and Wi-Fi everywhere. Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, And so there's much to be said about that. There's also much that you do say about what we can do about it. You know, there are some things that many of you listening are not going to be able to get from the show today because there's so much in David's book that we'll touch upon. But you can go ahead and get the book and we'll tell you how to do that. The other thing is we've got copies of the book to give away. And so we'll make sure that we're doing that well, too. When we come back, we will be talking about food. And the reason we're going to be talking about food uh, right at the top, uh, as well as some of the other things, is because there needs to be a new education about food, a new education that takes us down a pathway. And we did a show on this the other day, folks on just because it says cage-free, free-range, not what you think. We already did that show the other day. But when we come back, we're going to talk about food. What do you think you're getting in your food? What do you think you're doing to your food? And what are some of the greatest, uh, shall I say, deceptions in the food industry that we're going to talk about today? And if you've been like me down the road of eat the coconut, don't eat the coconut, eat the coconut, don't eat the coconut, don't eat the coconut, just eat the oil, I'm hoping today we'll get you some answers. We'll be right back with David Getoff. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living 
Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Abundant Health in a Toxic World, a book by David Getoff, great book by David Getoff. And for those of you out there, David, the website is davidgetoff.com, right? That's the easiest way to get there. Yep, davidgetoff.com. How do they get a copy of the book? Uh, They can either go to Author House, uh, which is a publisher, or they can go to Amazon. And the only difference, and that difference should evaporate in the next week or so, is I sent in about 400 minor edits, like a comma that wasn't there and a parenthesis that wasn't closed. And Author House, of course, the publisher immediately changed over. I don't know whether or not Amazon had 100 copies in stock or not. But okay. uh, otherwise, it's the same book, yeah. All right, so uh, that, that's how you get a copy of the book. This is how you get a free copy of the book from us, thanks to David and his team, uh, 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. I got to take on the food conversation. I know there's many other things we could talk about, but I have to talk about food because the level of obesity now in the United States is so 
absolutely at the highest it's ever been. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Yep. Uh, except we have seen a decline in the elderly because, of course, they can't really afford to, to eat three meals a day at this point. Um, but what we're seeing is not our numbers that are so staggering, it's impossible to even predict the lifespan. That's why I want to start with food. Um, let's jump to the oil conversation because it's a big one. And I was kind of joking about it, but not. Coconut oil, no. Coconut oil, yes. Coconut, no. Coconut, no. Yes, no, yes. Uh, give us an update on what we're talking about for fats, what the skinny is on fats, and what we should know about the selections we make today. Okay. Uh, first of all, if somebody wants to really get into this, uh, the best book that's ever been written on the subject is called The Big Fat Surprise uh, by Nina Teicholz, and I have an interview with her on my website. She covered everything, and after you've learned it correctly, your doctor can't mislead you anymore because you can tell your doctor where he's wrong. But basically, the fats and oils that we've been eating for the last thousands and thousands of years prior to our current industrialization level are the ones that were never hurting anybody because we had lots and lots and lots of people living into their 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, and when people tell you, no, they didn't, they all died at 40, that's a misuse of the word average. And people were not getting heart disease, and they were not getting cancer, because they were eating the fat that was on the bird that was wild, and the difference is, if it was wild, it was eating what it was supposed to eat. They were eating the fats that were on uh, any kinds of elk or venison uh, or, or, or even cattle, and as long as they were eating what they're supposed to be eating, which is grass and weeds, not the corn and rye and soy we feed them, as long as they're eating what they're supposed to be eating, the fats are all correct. And uh, lots of coconut oil was being used, never a problem. Uh, lots yep. of palm fruit oil was being used, never a problem. Lots of butter was being used, also not a problem, until we started feeding the cows things that cows are not supposed to eat. And then, of course, that changes the type of fat. So if you go to the store and you buy butter and it says from grass-fed cows and it says organic so we don't have a bunch of residues, now you've got a really healthy fat. If you buy butter that doesn't say anything except butter and salted or unsalted, now you've got an unhealthy fat because it doesn't have the right kinds of fats in it. So basically the healthy fats are the easier ones to remember because there aren't that many of them. So we've got butter and ghee from grass-fed cows, and we've got uh, preferably organic uh, coconut oil and preferably organic palm fruit oil. And then you've got the fats and oils, or the fats actually, that are on or in any animal if the animal ate what nature wanted it to eat rather than what we're feeding it to get it fat faster. Uh, so egg yolks are very healthy for you if the chickens are out there in a green pasture, not free range, they're out there in a green pasture, they're eating insects, they're eating worms, and okay, they're throwing some other food out there for them so they'll have enough food, but they're out there where they should be. Those are all the healthy ones. And then we have another oil that's been used for thousands of years. I don't know how we first discovered that you could make it, and that's extra virgin olive oil. Except if you read the book Extra Virginity uh, or the fantastic book Real Food, Fake Food, you'll find that 70% of the extra virgin olive oil in the United States doesn't contain extra virgin olive oil. So now you've got to learn how to find out which ones are good, which we don't have time to cover here. But just right. because it says extra virgin olive oil, that doesn't mean it's extra virgin olive oil. So what should you be avoiding? You should be avoiding, uh, you should be avoiding uh, uh, canola oil, which was made by genetic modification. 
even though it's not quite genetically modified, it's close enough. So we're avoiding canola oil. We're avoiding uh, cottonseed oil because cotton is not a food crop unless you're a boll weevil, and therefore they can spray all sorts of things on it that are not allowed to be sprayed on anything else. So we're avoiding yeah. those two. We're avoiding soybean oil. Uh, 90% of all the soybeans are genetically modified, and that's not an oil we want anyway. And most of the oils out there we want to avoid for other reasons because the companies making them are way overheating them, destroying all their value. Then they smell and taste rancid. So you go to a deodorization plant where they burn off what I lovingly call the indicator molecules. So now you won't even know that they're tasting rancid because they've burned everything off. And so now they will taste neutral and fine forever and never be good for you. Mm. Wow. When we think about this, we have done a fantastic job in elevating the degree by which advertising and misinformation has played such an enormous role. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as we look at food, we start off with the oil conversation because that's really a change that people listening to this show can make right now. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about helping folks in this short period of time, and we'll skip the next break, understand genetically modified and what that means. Um, I actually had someone say to me the other day, I don't know what the big deal about that is. We've been modifying DNA and organic things for decades. What's the big deal? And honestly, I was a bit speechless right there. But let's do a, a quick down and dirty with what we mean by GMO. And what is it that we can find out, but more importantly, what the labels are not telling us? Sure. Well, there, there are three different ways to change the genes, uh, and there are probably a couple others that we're not thinking about. But one of the ways is when we hybridize something. And so you've got uh, two different tomato plants, and you grow them together, even though normally they would be growing in different cities or states because of different climate. You grow them together, you make sure that they're flowering at the same time, and you cross-pollinate them, or a bee, or a wasp, or a hornet, or a fly cross-pollinates them, and now you end up getting a hybrid. All right, that's usually not too bad. However, what they started doing, because they wanted certain traits, was they started looking around the world to species that never, ever, ever grew anywhere near other species. And they brought them in, and through changing environment, etc., they forced them to produce and flower at the same time as something else. So in other words, they're now making a genetic change of two species that would never be together. And so that's completely unnatural. But they don't really care because they're not trying to make it healthier or more nutritious. They're always looking, and the public doesn't understand this when they're doing any kind of modification or hybridization. They're always looking to make it look better, to make it last longer, to make it ship better, to make it, you know, keep on the shelves. You know, everything except taste and nutrients, that's irrelevant to them. So when you're getting something in the store, usually, unless it's what we now call heirloom, which are the old non-hybridized ones, uh, you're getting something that they have played with to make it something that is not anywhere near as healthy for you. But then the real, really, really bad one is where they are modifying things by injecting other genes in expensive, you know, equipment. Uh, they're, they're even injecting genes from fish, you know, into tomatoes. And they're doing all these different things. And, and there's no way on the planet Earth that any of this stuff could ever happen. So the people that are pro 
genetic modification go, well, who cares if there's no way on the planet? That doesn't make any difference. You know, we're, we're, we're humans. We're smart. We've, we've learned other things to do. I mean, you know, animals don't make cars and, and houses. They don't make electricity. Uh, we shouldn't get rid of those. Okay, I'll agree with that. However, what's interesting is when they do feeding experiments on various different types of birds, cattle, etc., pigs, you name it, uh, and they give them genetically modified foods, one of the first things that they've noticed, and uh, there are a couple people that have done this, is the cattle and the animals won't eat it. So you have to not give them anything else, so they're going to die if they don't eat it, and now, of course, they've been forced to eat it. So somehow or other, they can tell, in whatever way they can tell, that this is not something they could eat. But when you force them to eat it because there's nothing else there, you get deformed children, uh, you get less children, and I'm saying children, you know, no matter what the animal might be, it could be a bird, whatever. Uh, you get all sorts of unhealthy things that we never had when they were eating what they're supposed to. And these experiments have been done, they have been published, and they're being withheld from the public, and the FDA doesn't care to be able to make this stuff listed. And one of the better books on it is called Genetic Roulette uh, by Jeff Smith, who's one of the world experts. And the reason I like that book is because he has the studies, and he shows you which ones are being done and what they have said, rather than just hearsay. So I don't like genetically modified stuff. I stay away from it, and I prefer organic, because that also means that the stuff wasn't sprayed with all sorts of pesticides and herbicides, even though maybe a neighboring farm has some and some of them waft over to it. Mm. And I think this is really how we're beginning the conversation and really talking about, look, these are things we can look at. These are things we can support. I want to talk with you uh, and continue the conversation about food. I know there are many, many things in here that that really are tied together. Um, food, supplements, and certainly there is an entire section here on prescription drugs. But you also point out that there are foods that we need to include. And I want to kind of get to those because, you know, part of this is we often look at what should we cut out. But let's talk about, you know, the idea of healthy eating and what that looks like. And, you know, from your perspective, what are on the top five? From my perspective, the most important things that we should be eating, and as far as I'm concerned, they could be in every meal. And that's, that's something that people don't understand. Somebody says, well, how much of this should I eat? No, 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 no. no. That, that, that's if you're eating something bad. If you're eating something good, I don't regulate the amount. Eating something good, you can eat as much as you want. Just don't stuff yourself to death. So mm -hmm. I think every meal should have some healthy form of properly raised and properly fed and preferably organic uh, animal protein. And I don't care if that's a low mercury strain of fish or if it's sardines or if it's uh, a pasture-raised eggs or beef or lamb or any, any number of different things. So some type of healthily raised, properly fed animal protein. Then I would like it to have whatever types of non-starchy vegetables, the starchy ones that I want to reduce as much as you're willing, are every type, size, and color of potato, every type, size, and color of hard skin, they're called winter squash, we reduce those, uh, and beans and grains and corn. Those are all 75% starch, uh, and unless you're doing massively energetic work like we used to before we sat around indoors, <laughs> right. uh, you, can't, you can't burn all that stuff off. So we want to reduce right. the starchy vegetables. Now we want to bring in any non-starchy vegetables you like, whichever non-starchy vegetables you like. I don't know which ones you like. Could be broccoli, could be cauliflower, could be asparagus, uh, could be uh, different types of lettuce, could be different types of kale or different types of spinach. I mean, there's lots of non-starchy vegetables. And make yourself a healthy salad dressing. So take a, uh, a really good 
Vinegar might be a, a raw apple cider vinegar would be a really, really good one. There are plenty of brands. Uh, and then get some olive oil that really is extra virgin. You'll have to do some research. Uh, the one I promote is Bariani because I happen to know the owner. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't get anything from them, but Bariani is a great olive oil. Uh, there's a couple of other places that are online. Uh, the Olive Press has a bunch of different olive oils. Or maybe go to a company like La Tarangel, uh where they have really high-quality oils that are really flavorful. Their, their toasted walnut oil is fantastic. You could use that in there. And if you want a little bit more flavor, find a really, really good organic Italian balsamic vinegar. Put a little bit of that in there for a little bit of sweet. So now you've got a bunch of fats and oils because if you want to hurt your health, make sure you are more likely to get a neurological disease as you get older. Make sure you are more likely to lose your memory much sooner than you want to. It would be very easy to do that. Just go on a low-fat diet. We never want to be on a low-fat diet. We want to be on a high good-fat, low-bad-fat diet. The only other thing that will lose your memory as fast as a low-fat diet is taking a drug to reduce your cholesterol because your body needs that cholesterol and it knows how much you need. So that's, that's really what you're looking at. Good quality fats, put butter on different things, melt butter on your vegetables. You know, that makes them taste delicious. Just make it grass-fed butter. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one last thing I want to ask you about uh, before we hop over. Um, the dreaded or now not so dreaded avocado. I mean, <laughs> if there's anything that could it's, – it's actually coconut and avocado, two, two things that have gotten such bad press – but avocado more than anything. I think it's making a comeback, should it? It absolutely should. And, and you're right. The, the dreaded category because of fats would be avocado, coconut, uh, nuts, egg yolks. Yes. And they're all fine for you. We just want them to be of good quality and raised correctly. Avocados are great. If somebody says, I love avocado, I'm going to eat a half of a large avocado every single day. I go, that's fine. That's yeah. perfectly fine. Just make sure it's not cutting out some other food. So don't eat that and not have a piece of some kind of animal protein because it doesn't have all the proteins you need. But avocados, I don't limit avocados at all. I don't limit eggs at all, which always surprises people. Say, so I can have eggs. Yes. I love How eggs. many? As many as you want. Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? As many as you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I learned that the hard way. My body so craves a- a- eggs. You know, the, the the I think one of the worst things I ever did was go on what they call here a ma- ma- uh, macrobiotic diet, uh-huh. where I sat there and I ate grains and brown rice and I gained like 30 pounds. Um, <laughs> yep. Okay. The last thing I want to touch upon, and boy, this has got to be short. We live in a prescription-driven world we do we don't even know half the time what is in the prescriptions we get and that is only second to the fact that we have no idea where they're even manufactured yep how would you characterize that problem we have well the easiest way is just to simply say that you can be deficient in any vitamin or mineral or other nutrient you cannot be deficient in a prescription drug because they didn't exist. They were manufactured in a laboratory. And therefore, anytime you are being given a prescription drug, you are not addressing the cause. You are trying to prevent a symptom that you don't like, or you're trying to force the body to do something it isn't doing, rather than figuring out why it is or isn't doing something it should or shouldn't be doing. 
and addressing your general overall health with nutrients and detoxification uh, and better diet and some additional supplementation of whatever is necessary so that it will correct the problem instead of forcing it one way or another with a prescription drug with all the many, many, many different side effects. And it's, it astounds me you know, how often over a period of under a year, and sometimes way under a year, I can get somebody's body so much healthier that they don't need the drug anymore. I mean, I'm not an MD. I can't tell somebody, stop taking your diabetic medication. But I can change their diet in such a way that it's not needed anymore. Their blood sugar is now regulated completely by what they're eating and their bodily metabolism, and they simply don't need that drug. That drug will push it too low, and they'll be in the hospital for the opposite reason. So we really need to address real, actual causes, which even too many of the holistic people aren't doing. Wow. You know, we've talked about a lot. Um, And you, as we've said before, you stay in touch with what's going on out there. And I don't know if this is even a relevant question. We did not talk about cancer per se, but I want to I want to mention and 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 really have a conversation with you about it. Sure. You know, cancer is one of the uh, well, actually, it used to be the most feared word on the planet. Now it's Lyme disease. People won't even go get a Lyme test because there is no classification in the AMA for it. And insurance doesn't pay for anything even under the umbrella of chronic Lyme. It doesn't exist. So you can't tell somebody to go to get a real Lyme test, which is not the one you get in a hospital. But other than that, you know, cancer used to be the most feared thing you could say to somebody. And now it's not. But preventing cancer is almost, that dialogue is almost non-existent. And boy, I think it's the key to any disease, the preventative aspect of it. You know, I know you touch upon cancer in your book. Can we just take a few minutes? I'd like to hear your perspective on where you think we are with cancer, the fact that more people are scheduled to get cancer. Let's just say I say scheduled because that's the way they talk about it. Uh, pretty much than any other disease floating around out there? Well, there are three, there are, there are three areas of foods, um, and I gave them a name. <laughs> I even got a trademark. Sabotage foods. And the sabotage foods are those foods that reduce your immune function, increase your blood sugar level, and prevent your body from doing everything it wants to do. And it's very, very simple. They are sugars, and that's sugars with an S. I don't care if they're in fruit or if they're in your sugar bowl. Uh, starches, which we went over a little bit, um, and alcohol, which your body turns into sugar. And the amount of those that we are eating, and of course, the food that we need more of, good healthy fats, which help regulate blood sugar, which we're not eating enough of, and good quality healthy animal proteins, which the body needs to rebuild tissue as the tissue breaks down. Those are all the things that have to do with food. And then, of course, we have all the different poisons that we're discussing. So the way to prevent cancer, and I am so tired of, I mean, I'll keep doing it because I love it, but I'm so tired of helping people to see if we can help their body to eliminate or cure a preventable condition that they could have easily not gotten if they learned all the things I'm teaching them and started doing them 10 years before. And that's cancer. You know, we all have cancer cells in our body. They've proven that over and over again. And what we need to do is make sure our immune system is working well enough 
that it identifies the cancer cell, and the macrophage gobbles it up, or the natural killer cell inserts its proboscis into the cell, injects it with hydrogen peroxide, and kills it. So we need to get the immune system working well enough, and the immune system isn't working well enough because of inadequate nutrients, bad quality foods, and large amounts of poisons. And if mm -hmm. we can do something about that, then what we need is a test that shows way early, way early, years early, that somebody is likely to get cancer over the next 10 years if they don't change something. And there are a number of tests like that out there. Uh, the best book is called Cancer Free, Are You Sure? Uh, make sure you get at least a fourth edition. My favorite of the tests in there is the AMAS test, A-M-A-S, Anti-Malignant Antibody in Serum. You have to understand the test. You have to go to somebody that understands what the test is showing. But it's simply showing how much anti-malignant your body is manufacturing. And if it's not making enough, then you're going to be up in the borderline or uh, elevated area, even though if they do the best test they have, they may not be able to find any cancer yet because we haven't developed it yet. But your body isn't working well enough, and it's going to happen. And then I work on getting people's bodies working better. And after they've changed their diet, and we bring in the nutrients, and we do some detox, now we run the AMAS test. Oh, my God, they've dropped down from elevated or borderline to normal, which is where we want them to be. So, yes, prevention, I completely agree with you. The most important thing for cancer and heart disease and dementia and Alzheimer's uh, is absolutely prevention. Wow. You know, first of all, thank you, David, for writing this book. But thank you, more importantly, for being out there and really leading the way as an example for many, many others to stay informed and keep themselves updated, and then to do something with the information they gave. So thank you so very much. Again, please give out your website. And last question, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Uh, website, again, David Getoff, and just spell Getoff normally, davidgetoff.com. And my personal message is those of you who want to feel better, get better, or maybe you currently like the way you feel and would like to continue to feel that way while everybody around you keeps on getting older and feeling worse, the ability to do that exists. You simply have to learn it. And instead of going, ah, oh, it's too hard, I've got to learn these things, things are only hard while you're learning them, just like a bicycle or anything else. Once you know them, they become really, really easy. And if you want health, you can't just sit back and expect it to come to you. You've got to go after it. And you have the ability, and you the things you need to learn are in the book. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. The book is Abundant Health in a Toxic World. I'm Dr. Pat. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. For more about us, go to the drpatshow.com. Thank you, Benny, for pushing all the right buttons, everybody. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.